Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I got an email recently, and I get this periodically, and it goes like this. Dear Pastor Brock, I have a Seventh-day Adventist friend who is telling me I am sinning because I worship on Sunday and not on Saturday. And the Old Testament Jews had Saturday as their Sabbath rest day, but the Pope changed it in the 300s AD, and now the Christians have received the mark of the beast because they've changed the worship day from Saturday to Sunday. Is that true, Pastor Brock? And my response is, no, that's not true. Yes, the Old Testament Jews, their Saturday, their Sabbath was Saturday. And that was given specifically to the Old Testament Jews to make them distinct from the nations around them. But in the New Testament, a lot of the early Christians were slaves. They couldn't have taken off Saturday had they wanted to. And it wasn't the Pope that changed the worship day in 300-something A.D. In the New Testament, the book of Acts itself, You've got these Jewish Christian believers who are worshiping on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And you know what that shows? Something pretty big must have happened on Sunday to get these Jews to change from Saturday worship to Sunday worship. What was that? The resurrection of Christ. The fact that these early Jewish Christians worshiped on Sunday is always an evidence that something pretty big must have happened on that day. So, you know, I want to tell you, if you want to worship on Saturday, fine. But if I want to worship on Sunday, fine. Because Paul could not have written Romans chapter 14, verse 5 without that. Here's what he said. One man holds one day above another. Another man holds every day alike. Well, says Paul, let each person be convinced in his own mind. He doesn't say it has to be Saturday. I have a friend whose daughter has joined some Christian Jewish church, and nothing's wrong with Messianic Judaism, that's fine, but this is different. And you can't, you can't, of course you can't observe Christmas because that's not in the Bible, but you have to observe the Saturday Sabbath from sundown, uh, uh, you know, from sunup to sundown. You can't do it. You can't eat pork because the Old Testament says not to eat pork. And it's just hurting her mom and dad so bad. If you want to worship on Saturday rather than Sunday, Paul would say, no big deal, go ahead. But if you're making that a salvation issue, that your salvation depends on what day of the week you worship, you've become a cult. Our salvation depends on the cross, period, not on what day you worship. So, do you have to uh, have Saturday as your Sabbath? The answer is no. That was specifically given to the Old Testament Jews. But now I'm going to preach, if you keep the principle of the Sabbath, one day rest a week, you're going to be wise. That's healthy. Would you turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 58? Writing 700 BC, 
the prophet Isaiah is going to preach to the Jews about keeping their Sabbath, and it will have uh, impact for our lives. Let, let's pray, though. Father, we don't want to be legalistic about the Sabbath, but on the other hand, we don't want to miss the great blessing of taking one day a week where we worship you. And Lord, we would pray now, uh, tweak our attitudes, our behaviors, and help us see the joy of the Sabbath. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 58. Again, Isaiah the prophet writing about 700 B.C. to the Jews in Jerusalem. Isaiah 58, starting at verse 9. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourselves to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. Here's the first lesson I want you to get. Truly following Jehovah means helping the hungry and the afflicted. Do you do that? Do you help the hungry? Do you help the afflicted? I was visiting an, visiting an older widow, and uh, not a wealthy woman. And I'm sitting there, and here's a picture of some children. And I said to her, uh, Muriel, who are those kids? Oh, those are my Compassion International children. I sponsor them every month, and I, I, I give money to Compassion International to help them overseas. <laughs> A sign that you're truly following God is you care for the afflicted. Look at verse 11. And the Lord will continually guide you. He will satisfy your desire in scorched places. He will give you strength for your bones. And you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins, the ruins of Jerusalem. You will raise up the age-old foundations of Jerusalem, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Here's the next lesson. Obedience brings blessing. If the Jews in Jerusalem will obey God in 700 B.C., God will bless them, build their city, etc. Satan tells us just the opposite. No, no, no. Disobedience is what's fun. Forget God, follow me. And so you follow the devil and you get addicted to stuff and you can't stop watching pornography and you've got a, a problem with alcohol and you lose your marriage and you get cirrhosis of the liver and, and you, uh, you know, fill in the blank, get drunk and drunk. You know, Satan will tell you the opposite. The truth is obedience to God is what will bless your life. Verse 13. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath, which means rest, and you call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and if you honor it, desisting from your own ways, seeking your own pleasure, speaking your own word. I want you to notice the next lesson. According to that verse, the Sabbath is a delight. The principle of taking one day a week and resting and going hard after God, that's a delight. <laughs> Sometimes you hear, you mean, you mean, Pastor, I can't work every day of the week? You can't, I can't work on Sunday? I said, you don't get it. It's a delight. I mean, let's say you're a slave and your master makes you work every day of the week. 
But all of a sudden he says, from now on, I'm going to give you one full day a week where you don't have to work. You would delight in that. And it takes us crazy workaholic Americans to say, you mean I can't work every single day of the week? You don't get it. <laughs> Look at verse 14. Then you will take delight in the Lord. Here's the next lesson. The purpose of the Sabbath is to delight in the Lord. Not delight in watching football or, or going to this person or that. The big purpose of the Sabbath is so you can delight in the most delightful thing in the universe, God himself. I heard a pastor that said, do not think of the Sabbath as a day of don'ts. Can't do this, can't do that. Think of it as the day of the great do. You do get to focus in on the most wonderful thing in the universe, on the Lord. So do you enjoy God? Do you have one day a week where you just kind of rest and you spend more time with God, the people of God, you worship, you fellowship with other Christians, you read your Bible, you pray? Verse 14. If you do this, delight in the Lord, then I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Next lesson, honoring the Sabbath brings blessing. Now, I went to college here in the Twin Cities, then I went to my first church, and then I moved back to the Twin Cities in 1981. And I remember in 1981, when you would drive by the shopping malls in Minneapolis, all the parking lots were empty. The shopping malls were closed on, on Sunday. These were called the blue laws. Uh, you uh, uh, couldn't buy alcohol and, and this all kinds of stuff happened. On Sunday, they shut down. And back in 1981, the public schools would not schedule juniors hockey practice for Sunday morning like they do now. But you know, back in 1981, we didn't have the high divorce rate we have today. I can't prove it, but I bet we didn't have quite as many nervous breakdowns, ulcers, broken families, etc. Because if you work every single day of the week, it causes problems. <laughs> Voltaire was the French atheist philosopher in the 1700s, and he said this, quote, to destroy Christendom, you must first destroy the Sabbath. All right, that's the mini-sermon from Isaiah for, from 700 B.C., written to the Old Testament Jews. Last part of the sermon, I just want to share some thoughts on how we can keep the Sabbath today. Here we go. Number one, enjoy the gift of one day's rest a week. Even secular non-Christian health books will tell you, try to take one day a week to rest. I, uh, I have an eight-day cuckoo clock in my house. And a lot of cuckoo clocks, you've got to wind them every day. You take the pine cone and you do all three of them. And, but I'm, that's too much work. So I bought one where you only have to do it once a week about, and they're big pine cones. And once a week, I pull those pine cones and I wind the cuckoo clock, and then it runs the rest of the week. If you don't take time once a week to not work, 
worship the Lord, get into a good church, uh, you're not going to have energy to serve the Lord. So enjoy the gift of one day's rest a week. Next thought about the Sabbath. Enjoy on this day the pleasure of life, God. Alexis de Tocqueville was a French statesman who came over to America in 1831, visited and traveled around for nine months. When he got back to France, he wrote these words. I never saw the like. I went over to America and I found a people who on one day every week closed the gateways of their traffic, left the hammer unused upon their anvil, drew chains across the street where the churches were and where worship was going on. A whole people resting and worshiping God. In 1831, things stopped on Sundays in America and people worshiped. Times have changed. And I read this. Our great-grandfathers called it the Holy Sabbath. Our grandfathers, the Sabbath. Our fathers, Sunday. Today, we call it the weekend. And Martin Luther, writing back in the 1500s in Germany, said this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the second commandment. What does this mean for us? Or third, uh, what does this mean for us? We are to so fear and love God that we do not neglect his word and the preaching of it, but regard it wholly and gladly hear and learn it. In other words, on your Sabbath, your Sunday, take time to listen to God's word, make sure you're in a good church and to worship the Lord. Enjoy the great pleasure, which is God himself. Next thought about Sabbath. Do not exclude works of charity and mercy on this day. You remember Jesus kept getting in trouble with the Pharisees because Jesus would heal people on the Sabbath. It's okay to do works of mercy on the Sabbath. If you teach Sunday school on Sunday, that's fine. You're an usher at your church on Sunday, that's fine. You like to visit people in the nursing home on Sunday, that's fine. And one more thought on this. Accept when possible Sunday as Sabbath to testify to Christ's resurrection. Like I said earlier, one evidence that Jesus rose from the dead, how do you explain that these dyed-in-the-wool Jews, who now have been, become believers in Christ, start worshiping not on Saturday, but on Sunday? Something big must have happened to get them to do that. It's called the resurrection of Christ. So you don't have to worship. If you want to worship on Saturday, that's fine. But if you can do it, just to testify to Christ's resurrection, I think that's great. Now, some of you have to work on Sunday. Is that okay? I think it's okay. Pastors have to work on Sunday. But I will tell you what an old white-haired Lutheran pastor told me when I was young. He said, Tom, you have to work on Sunday. Your day of the week off is Thursday. So he said, I don't want to see your car in the church parking lot. I don't want you to step foot in the church. You take Thursday and you get away from here. <sighs> Years ago, I went to a pastor's prayer conference for, I think, like three days. Pastors from all over, all kinds of denominations came just to pray. And one of the themes was, Pastor, take your Sabbath rest. Take your day off because pastors burn out. And near the end of the conference, a pastor got up and said, Brothers, I need to confess a sin. I work every day of the week. 
I go to the church office every day. And you know why I do that? I don't think God can run the kingdom of God without me. And so, God forgive my pride, I'm going to start taking one day off of rest a week to be refreshed. There is a story of a man who was driving his car through Pennsylvania. And he comes over a hill and here is a field filled with mules. Just lots of mules. And he stops his car and here's a little boy. Little boy, this is curious. What are all these mules doing in this field? The little boy said, well, sir, you're in the coal mine country. These mules are in the coal mines, total darkness, Monday through Saturday. And if we don't bring them up into the sunlight on Sunday and let them graze and see the sun for, for a day, they'll go blind. So we bring them up every Sunday to absorb the sunlight. <laughs> Listen, if you work every day of the week, you don't take time to be alone with the Lord one day a week, you're going to go spiritually blind. I get emails from people who say, Pastor Brock, I don't go to church anymore because I understand the Bible properly and the churches don't. And then you hear what they believe, it's weird. You need to be in a church every week so that your, your beliefs are in line with the Bible and with other Christians. There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. And I, I did a funeral this week. And, I, and some people only come to church to attend a funeral. So I said to everybody, your eternal soul is worth you being in church one hour a week. So if you're watching this and you don't go to church, Make that a priority. Uh, get that, uh, the habit of your life that once a week you're going to rest, you're going to fellowship, you're going to worship the Lord. Make that a high priority. All right, so let's sum this up. Are Christians obligated to keep a Saturday Sabbath? The answer is no. That was specifically given to the Old Testament Jews. But the principle of a Sabbath, having one day a week when you rest and recuperate and when you go hard after the greatest pleasure on earth, God himself, that is very wise to do. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you were talking about the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And if the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, why shouldn't we keep it? What's happening? Yeah, well, the third commandment is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And people say, from what I just preached, well, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Of course we have to keep it. Well, here's the deal. All of the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament are reiterated in the New Testament except for one. New Testament Christians are never told you have to observe the Saturday Sabbath. So I, I don't think the, Old, the New Testament Christians were not obligated to keep Old Testament food laws. Jesus declared all foods clean in Mark chapter 7. And we don't have to keep the Sabbath laws of the Jews either. But again, the principle is good of what resting one day a week, whatever that day may be. Okay. Why is it, though, that some groups say Christians have to worship on a Saturday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, where did that come yeah. from? Um, well, Jackie, I used to have a radio show on a Christian station here, and periodically they did debates. And one debate was, do Christians, should Christians worship on Saturday because that was the day God gave the Old Testament Jews? 
So I was, the, I was part of the debate. They had a Seventh-day Adventist type person and they had me and we went back and forth, back and forth. Um, one of the points I made in the debate was, you are very insistent we worship on Saturday because that's the day God rested from creation. And I said, we've got about a one in seven chance that what we call Saturday today is indeed the day God rested uh, long, long time ago when he got done making the world. So um, uh, I, I think uh, the, the two groups, well, I think that's the next question, if, if you could look at that. Okay, are one of the groups you're talking about is Seventh-day Adventists. Yeah. Are they Christian? You know, there are two kinds of Seventh-day Adventists. There are the evangelical Seventh-day Adventists who know that they're saved only by the grace of God, by the cross of Christ. But my friend who knows this better than I do said, and then there's the second kind of Seventh-day Adventist. They're very legalistic, and you're not saved unless you worship on Saturday. Well, that's cult-like. They also don't believe in eternal hell. So I, I, I do believe there are genuine, sincere believers in Seventh-day Adventism, but there's enough wrong with that church that I wouldn't go to one. But you know, Tom, isn't it sad, though, because Seventh-day Adventists are great door-to-door -door yeah. people yeah. to try to get people to come yeah. and that. So, yeah. I mean, they're steering people into a church that... Well, I wouldn't put them in the category of Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons. Seventh-day Adventists believe in the Trinity. And, but, it, it, again, there are Seventh-day Adventists who know the Lord, and then there are some that are caught up in food laws and Old Testament things that the book of Hebrews says have been fulfilled by Christ. We don't have to obey the food laws. Yeah. But some people believe you're not saved if you worship on Sunday instead of Saturday. So mm -hmm. what do you say to those people? I, I would, uh, that's what happened. My friend, his daughter, fell into a, a Jewish Christian group. And again, most Jewish Christian, does, the um, Messianic groups are fine. But this is a group where you can't eat pork, you gotta keep the Old Testament food laws, you gotta rest from uh, sun up to sundown, and you can't work, can't, and it's just hurting her parents so, because it's so legalistic. Things that Christ fulfilled and set us free from, they're still trying to go back and do, and, and we're saved by grace, not by what day of the week you worship on. You know, that's funny because my next question is about some teach that Christians should keep the Old Testament food laws. Mm -hmm. like not eating pork and right but now if we're under the new testament right. is this still true it's it it's still read the book of hebrews uh, like jackie the old testament jews had to sacrifice lambs when they sinned we don't kill lambs anymore because the lamb of god was killed for our sin the old testament jews had to keep all kinds of food laws if you read acts chapter 10 peter has a vision saying kill and eat peter now i've declared these foods clean granted he that vision was symbolic of the gentiles but he still used food to do it jesus it says in mark chapter 7 declared all foods clean so jackie you can have a hot dog i can have a hot dog we can have lobster uh, it, we're not sinning because the Old Testament was fulfilled in Christ. Tom, where does it say it forbids lobster? Uh, no, you just I, said I this. I think that's in Leviticus. It really is. Uh, it's an old certain certain kind of crustaceans you couldn't eat. And uh, lobster. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I guess I kind of found that one hard to believe. Uh -huh. um, so, but the Old Testament also had them, some rules in that about clothing. Mm -hmm. And yep. There was only certain kinds of clothes. Yeah, you weren't supposed to mix two kinds of clothing. So a tweed suit, had they worn suits in 700 BC, uh, would have been off limits. But Jackie, again, the food laws 
and the clothing laws, these were laws that God gave specifically to the Old Testament Jews to make them distinct from the nations around them. We are not obligated as Christians to, to keep those which were fulfilled and done away with in Christ. Read the whole book of Hebrews. That's the point. So because of the New Testament, right. we're out of that. That's right. Okay. The Old Testament says homosexual behavior is a sin, but is that still true today, All too? Right. When I was in the liberal ELCA Lutheran denomination, of which you left and I left, we joined a more biblical church, um, they... I'd go to these conventions and some pastors were trying to sell us on homosexuality. And here's what they would say. <clears throat> well, the Old Testament says we can't have a tweed suit. We can't eat lobster. We don't listen to that anymore. Well, why can't we not listen to what the Old Testament says about homosexuality? There's two responses to that. Number one, the, for, uh, the uh, forbidding of homosexuality is reiterated in the New Testament. Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1. And then Jackie, the Old Testament food laws, ceremonial laws, sacrificial laws were done away with in Christ. But the moral law of the Old Testament, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, those still stand. And, and what I would say when I'd get to the microphone, I'd say to the liberal people, all right, you, you want to get away, you want to condone homosexuality now? In the same New Testament, Old Testament chapter, uh, those sandwiched in, uh, in between is no bestiality, no rape. Are those okay now? And the answer is no. Jesus did not do away with the Old Testament moral law, just the sacrificial, ceremonial, and food laws. You know, but it's sad, too, to see how the church has embraced the homosexual movement. Tragic. And, I mean, those homosexual people are the influence on our children and our grandchildren. Yep, and I want to ask people... Where are we at? <laughs> We've uh, got to close, Tom. <laughs> we, got, we got one minute, and I, I will tell people this. Listen, some people say, look, I don't go to church. I just watch your TV show. That's not going to church. Hebrews chapter 10 commands you to be part of the church. If you um, are shut in, okay, this is maybe your church. But if you can get out of the house, you're commanded to be part of a church. Because part of the, going to church is to serve the Lord. You can't serve a TV set. It's to take Holy Communion. You can't get communion out of a TV set. So I urge you, if you're not in a church, start going every Sunday. Find a good Bible-preaching church. Not some of these churches that are uh, leaving the Bible. But, and, and if you can't go on Sunday, there are lots of churches that have Saturday services now. So you can find something. And, and I just got one more uh, 20 seconds to tell you this, too. Uh, a lady said, well, you know, what about my children? They have to go to hockey practice now on Sunday morning, et cetera, et cetera. Again, a lot of churches have Wednesday services, Saturday service, or you got to make it a priority and just say, we're going to choose God over hockey. God bless you. See you next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, 
or mail a check to the pastor's study. P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.